Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back and we really are on the road this, this week. Wow. We're really excited to be out and about again a bit. COVID's easing up and we're responding. We're in New York City today and we are loving it. We're looking out right now on life in the city. We're looking out on Broadway and 59th. Yeah, absolutely. We're at Columbus Circle for you New Yorkers. Um, It really is wonderful to be here, mostly because our children, two of our families have just moved here. I think we've mentioned that in the past, but we have our son Noah and his wife, Christy, and six children. The oldest is 16, and the little one is four. Just turned five, actually. And Eli's family, Eli and Julie, with the oldest being eight and the youngest being zero. <laughs> right. And that's why we came, Linda. We're here for the 10 grandkids, 10 grandkids in the city, and we have been having a lot of fun with those well, kids. we like our kids Anyone and who says you too. can't. Anyone who says you can't raise children right in the city, <clears throat> I'm sorry, but that ain't true. <laughs> okay, we really held our breath when they both decided to come. They're, they're coming essentially to save their company. Uh, so that's a long story that we won't go into, but they are saving it. Well, and, and they both lived here before, and they, they love the city. They both love but. the city. But we have uh, Noah and Christy with those six kids in a five-story walk-up. I mean, seriously, how in the world they got that big couch up there and all those beds, I have no idea. All those cubbies. But they did it. And then uh, the other, our other If you don't know what a walk-up is, I think it's fairly self-explanatory. Right. There's no elevator. (laughs) There's no elevator. (laughs) And five stories up. And then Eli, who used to live in a five-story walk-up for five years here. He's on the second floor now. Sec- a two-story We go visit walk-up. him more often because we only have to walk <laughs> up one flight of stairs. Right. <laughs> but they go up and down those stairs, I don't know how many times a day, dozens. Lots. And I'll tell you, that's one. If you ever walk around a big city like New York or London or Paris or whatever, one of the things people observe is, boy, there's not very many overweight people in the city. And the reason is you have to walk everywhere. Everywhere. And, and up and down stairs included. So um, there's a lot of good things to it. But we've oh. been dividing our time between these wonderful 10 grandkids and the reopening of Broadway, which is pretty spectacular. Wow, it is really awesome. I do have to say, though, that Everybody has a mask. You cannot go anywhere without a mask, without ID, without two vaccinations, without... um, Including the kids now. The kids are not going to be able to go to school. Oh, gosh, they're paying the... We don't want to get into political. Let's not get too political. No, it's not political at all. I'm just saying that they are paying these little kids $100 to get vaccinated. (laughs) And they are so excited. Well, this the way it is in New York (laughs) City. We're we're blown away. We're just reporting. Some of them were just like, oh, we already got ours. Dang. Well, the mayor came on and said, look, we have a measles. We have a vaccine mandate for measles. We now also have a vaccine mandate for COVID. And that's just the way it is. Take it or leave it. Like it or like it or leave it. (laughs) Like it or don't go to your job anymore. So whatever you think of that, that's the way it is here. And uh, 
we're just loving the city and we're just, you know, many of you know, this is where I served my first mission way back as a 19 year old. I've loved the city ever since. Most of our children have lived here at one time or another. One daughter went to Columbia. Several others went to Boston to school, but we're here a lot. And, and several now, have lived here. I guess five of them have lived here. And now we have a granddaughter who is a Columbia yeah, who yeah. sat down in St. George in a little apartment for her the first whole year, year online <laughs> doing it. But she's swimming for Columbia. And so we're going to see her this afternoon. She's she had so a glad. swim meet last weekend. And Aren't we all glad that college, you know, universities are open again? I mean, we're struggling. There's variants. We're still worried. But the world is opening back up. And we've been to some Broadway shows. And they always say, welcome back to Broadway. And the audience <laughs> just cheers, you know. So we're appreciating some things more than we ever would have had we not had to go without them for a while. Yeah, absolutely. It's just fun to see um, people just jubilating and they don't care if they have to wear masks outside, inside, anywhere. They just are so grateful to be out of their apartments and back into the world. Just to be there, just to be there. So wherever you're listening from today, whether it is a city or whether you're on some small little picturesque farm in the middle of Nebraska where we were a couple of weeks ago (laughs) or wherever you are, isn't it great that we're all united by our love for our families? And that's one thing that, you know, someone said to me, I was doing an interview the other day and said, is there, what are are your silver linings from COVID? And a lot of people would say there aren't any, but I'll tell you the biggest silver lining, I think, I think we agree on this, Linda, is that people are more tuned into their children and their families than they ever have been before. Now, part of that is the, the they have sort of, lived they've with been forced each other. into it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They've been working from home and they've, I think when you work from home, a lot of people have said this to us when they say, when you work from home, you realize two things. Inevitably, you realize two things. One, how important your children are to you and how much you love them and how, how they are your highest priority. But number two, when you're forced to be there all day, every day, you realize how dysfunctional they may be in many ways in, in families. And so we've got parents all over the place essentially saying to us, we want to reform our families. We want to reinvent how we live together and, and what programs we have in our family and how much we invest in our family and how much time we're here and how how we parent and how we behave around our children and and how we prioritize them. So there's a lot, I guess what I'm saying, Linda, you can probably say it better than I can, but, but people are reinventing what parenting is. Now, how successful that'll be, I don't know, but at least it's on people's minds, don't you think? I do, parenting and grandparenting. And grandparenting. In fact, we just had a meeting this morning. Right, about grandparenting, you know, um, 50 years ago when we started parenting, um, parenting was barely a word. I mean, there really was not a lot of information for parents. I mean, Dr. Spock had written about the health of children, but as far as there being really any books about books, psychology yeah. or how to do children, they, would, they, they were there, but they not were very many. far between, yeah. you're right. And now we've reached the grandparenting age and realized that 
wow, there's so many people out there saying, oh, what next? I've been a great parent all these years, and now my kids are gone, and I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do. The question is sort of, what's next? So we want to get into that. I mean, that's sort of our new frontier, the way we feel about things, is that trying to help grandparents in any way we can, trying to be a resource to grandparents because what you said linda is really interesting i I hadn't thought about that very much but the word parenting it's such a common word now and it's a proactive word we love it it means parenting hey it's something you do it's something you work at it's something you read books on it it's something you think about it's something you improve on and i think what you said is probably right 50 or 60 years ago no one used that word, parenting. I mean, it, you just you you were a parent. That was it. It just happened well, to you. During the life of my parents, which was a long time ago, because they were a generation older than most parents, because they married when they were older, was just to have kids to help with the farm. Yeah, I mean, that well, that's the when main you go way reason. back. Yeah. yeah, they were. Um, you were having farm laborers. Literally, I remember my aunt being so devastated because they had one son, and then they had another son who passed away as a little infant, and. They were just devastated. Uh, well, of course, they they missed him, but they really yeah, needed sure. him for the farm. Sure. And so it really is so different. And we, we, I guess what we're saying, is, and, you know, we know there's a lot of you who listen to Ayers on the Road who are grandparents. Bless your hearts. Join the club. We're, we're, we're with you. Um, we think most of our audience is parents and younger families, but but it may be that we're at a point in our society where grandparenting is going to become a word and a, you know something people think about and become more proactive at and so on and and many of you know we've we've each written books on Linda's on grandmothering and me on proactive being a proactive grandfather and we've written books on emptiness parenting and on life in full, sort of the the autumn of life. And this is sort of our new passion. That doesn't mean we're not still interested in doing all we can to help younger families. And most of our speaking is still the younger parents, but we want to incorporate the two because boy, it takes a village. It It takes a family. It takes three generations to really raise children these days. It takes teamwork between parents and grandparents. And we're thinking a lot about that. We want to pass a lot on to you each week. Well, and the thing that uh, we were just talking with this couple about who are just dynamite, they're so fantastic. Um, Kim and Rick Johnson, for those of you who may know them, they are so amazing. Um, And they are saying... Maybe they don't want people to know they're talking to us. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they don't. (laughs) Well, we just let that one out of the bag. But anyway, they were just saying, who thought of empty nest parenting? That sounds so dreary. That sounds so awful. It made us realize that what an awful image, an empty nest. Have you ever seen an actual empty nest? It's kind of stinky. The birds are gone. It's kind of stinky. (laughs) It's falling apart. What an awful image. We're trying to think of a new thing like the new nest is bigger and better because it's grandparenting. Yeah, and it's filling <laughs> up and it's doing some great things. So anyway, um, that's that's just to give you a clue where we're going and what we're going to talk a lot about in the in the near future. Now, just again, 
we know all of you don't get a chance to listen every week, but you know, we've been on this thing where we've been talking about gratitude and we are going to continue the first week of every month. This podcast will be devoted to a new look at a different kind of, gra- of gratitude that you can incorporate into your gratitude journals. But we're also going to kind of start another little mini series on ours on the road. And uh, we're going to introduce it to you today, mostly in the second half of the show. But before we go to a break in a couple of minutes, Linda, I want to introduce it a little by saying um, <laughs> I, I'm a little quirky in some ways. Linda has accused really? me of that. And, I had noticed. <laughs> I, love, I love things in threes. I love triangles. I love I just think three is a magical number. It's a balanced number. You know, if you have a three-legged stool, you can sit it on uneven ground. It, it won't wobble. I, do, I just love uh, the number three. In fact, <laughs> you'll, you'll wonder where this is going, but you'll see. Hang in there. Stay with us. Um, uh, when I play Scrabble, <laughs> people laugh at me because all my words are three letters. <laughs> I just like, I like little words. I think the best writing is done with small words rather than big words. And I, I, I just love three letter words. So if I get a Z in Scrabble, I'm going to spell zoo or zit or zip or something that has three letters. I'm going to make all my words three letters. Well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, this new little mini series we're going to do on ours on the road, you know, on, on times when we're not doing the gratitude or grandparenting, or parenting, but this all relates to family. All these words do, and we're going to call it three-letter lessons. So we're going to have these little snippets that are going to be a lesson that is represented by three letters, by a small word, by a three-letter word, because that's the way I think people's minds work. If you get a small word in your mind and it builds into a concept and a lesson and a principle that you want to live by, then you can actually do something with it. So we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to introduce to you the first in the series that we're calling Three Letter Lessons. I think you'll like this first one. So hang in there with us. We'll be right back after this very brief break. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. Um, as promised, we're going to talk about three letters. <laughs> three letter lessons, the first um, one. The first one. Um, it's always interesting to know what's going to come out of your head. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you an experience. That happened just the other day here in New York. I was, it was Sunday afternoon and I was sitting with several of my grandchildren and something came to me that was an old memory from way back. Guess from when, Linda? What's, what's my earliest memories, memories in New York City? Oh, probably when you served as a missionary here. I was a young missionary here and so just the other day, just Sunday, I'm sitting with these grandkids, and I said, um, let me tell you a quick story of what happened to me a long time ago when I was walking through Central Park one day. I was on my way to church, 
we lived over on Fifth Avenue and I was walking through the park going to church, which was in those days on West 81st Street. And as I was walking, I had a little epiphany. And I said, do any of you grandkids know what the word epiphany means? Thinking that none of them would have a clue. But we have this 16-year-old grandson who, frankly, kind of knows everything. Yeah. <laughs> he's amazing. He's amazing. And he said, yeah, of course. He said an epiphany is a moment of, of insight, a, a flash of inspiration. You suddenly see something clearly. He gave a wonderful definition of an epiphany. And I'm like, okay, great. I had this epiphany while I was walking through the park long ago as a young teenager, 19-year-old. And the epiphany was that I was watching people, which you, you get good at in New York City, and the park was crowded. And I was looking at people, and it suddenly struck me that I was looking at them physically. Here I am, a missionary. I'm supposed to be seeing things spiritually, but I'm looking at them physically, and I'm sort of judging them. I'm, I'm judging them in the sense, number one, why are you in the park on a Sunday? Why are you in church? Or why are you out wearing a bikini on Sunday in the park? And I'm, I'm, I'm having these judgmental thoughts. And I thought, that's not what a missionary should do. That's not what any of us should do. We should try to see people in a better light. And I realized that I'm, I'm looking at people, I'm looking at their bodies and at their, I'm looking at them, their physical selves. And what I really want to see is something deeper than that. And so I don't know where this came from, this epiphany, but as I was passing people, I started just blinking my eyes like a snapshot and taking a little picture in my mind of people's faces, trying to look into their eyes. And if they happen to look right at you, then you get the old, the eye is the window to the soul kind of thing. And you might really get a glimpse of who that person is, or you might feel some genuine empathy or compassion for them. But I was finding that even if you, even if they don't look at you, if you just look at their face and focus on their eyes, even if their eyes are, looking somewhere else, you get a little feeling for that person. And it's never judgmental. It's always about, oh, that person looks unhappy or looks sad or looks or looks excited. I mean, you see something that's beneath the surface when you try to look at the face or the eye. Anyway, I'm trying to explain this to these grandchildren in really elementary language. And so I thought I'd ask another question. I said, do you know what a shutter is in a camera? And this time, little, little Zara, the eight-year-old, is the only one who raised her hand. And she said, well, a shutter, it's the thing that opens and closes <coughs> in a camera that takes the picture. And she's an interesting little child. She said, I, I actually think it should be called the opener, <laughs> not the shutter. <coughs> and I thought, wow, <clears throat> kids have interesting minds. But I said, that's exactly right. And I said, what I'm trying to say to you is that your eyes can be a shutter. And you can look at a person and you can blink your eyes and you can take a picture in your own mind of their eyes and their face, the upper part, their, their eyes that, that tell you something about them. And what you're starting to do is you're starting to 
see their spirit a little bit rather than their physical selves. You're seeing their spiritual self, at least a little glimpse. If you get a little, maybe you'll get a little inspiration and you'll, you'll see something in that person and you'll view them in a different way, a less judgmental way than if you're just looking at them physically. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I think so often when you look at somebody, their eyes tell you so much. I mean, sometimes you're sick and you're not feeling so great, but you can see that in the eyes yeah, too. you can see that. But when we talk about meeting new people, we say they're so bright, they're so light, they're, they've got just so many things in their mind. You can see it coming through or their eyes. Or you say, oh, they look dark or they look troubled or, or yeah. whatever. I saw a couple on TV last night, and I won't say who they were, but I was yeah. on a late night show. And the the wife looked happy and you know yeah. bright yeah. and so on, and the husband looked dark. so dark. And I just thought, oh, I wonder what's really going on. I don't we'll know. But that's interesting, Linda, because your thought was not judgmental. Ooh, he must be a bad guy. When you're looking at someone's eyes, <clears throat> you tend to you tend to empathize. And and I remember you said, I wonder if he's had a hard life or whatever. You yeah, know. Or so what's going on? I mean, you can't always tell that, but it is really interesting. But you're making an effort. People's eyes. Yeah, you're making an effort to see the spirit or to see the person in a deeper way than just are they fat right. or are they skinny right. or are they wearing something you don't like? All these judgmental thoughts are physical thoughts, right? Right. And I do think that that is really, really valuable uh, trying to see past. I mean, obviously, we've seen, seen some pretty wild clothes here, although it's cold outside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, people pretty are bundled, bundled up. up. But even on stage and things that are happening on stage um, are, are revealing about that person's personality. <coughs> it yeah. really is a, a shudder that is quite amazing. So how, how would you implement that? Well, I think... It is so important not to judge people by what they're wearing or um, what they're uh, saying sometimes even. I think it is just so important to use that shutter to blink and look again and look deeper. Because, you know, I've misjudged people a lot and thinking, oh, gosh, Look at look at that. Look at that. Why are yeah. they wearing that? Oh, it's so poisonous to, to be judgmental as we observe people. Right. Now back to the grandkids for a minute. So I'm 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 explaining this and trying to do it more in a more ele- elemental way than what we're saying today on, on the podcast. But I'm I'm feeling like they're really getting it. And so I asked another question. I said, um, <clears throat> well. Okay, so do any of you want to say anything about this? I said, let's call it the I. This is why this is the first three-letter lesson. The the name of this lesson is I. The I, the E-Y-E, because, number one, you're looking at people's eyes, trying to see them spiritually instead of physically, and you're using your eye as the shutter that takes a snapshot of this person. And so, um, therefore, what do you have to say about it, any of you kids? And so the 16-year-old again, the one who knew the meaning of epiphany, <laughs> raises his hand. I just love this kid. And he says, well, you know, what's interesting, grandfather, he calls me grandfather. He says, what's interesting is 
you have a camera just has one eye and one shutter and we have two eyes and it's the fact that we have two eyes that gives us depth perception and i thought oh my word he's taken my little simple lesson and so he says we can see with more depth not only depth perception but we, we're trying to look into someone and see them in a deeper way and i'm like wow this is this kid's taken it way beyond where i had it and then he said another great thing he said but there is also one advantage of a single eye like a camera he said because when you take a picture of someone who's looking at you or if you see a painting or, or any any graphic two-dimensional representing a photograph of someone where the eyes were looking at the camera then when you walk around the room from side to side no matter how far to the side you go that person still looks like he's looking right at you and he said that's a neat thing to think about because the scriptures tell us we should have an eye, an eye, not eyes, but an eye single to his glory. And so that's how a camera is. It's an eye and it 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 follows you wherever you go, just like God's eye follows us. And I'm like, wow, I've got to put this child into divinity school. <laughs> <laughs> he is pretty remarkable. Um, but and, and the fact that these kids all 10 of them who have just been dumped in a whole new culture yeah. and are all thriving is pretty much a miracle. It's and an a lot of that to has prayers. to do with prayers and great parenting. And just when they, when they were coming here, I said, okay, how are you feeling about moving to New York? Literally they threw it together in three or four weeks. They, did. they packed incredible. up the house they've lived in for six years and and then uh, Eli and Julie were they checked in a rental. thirty bags on the plane. Yeah, and, and then they had the same thing to move their whole household. Yeah, and and uh, when I ask the kids, how do you feel about going to New York? You know, they apparently they'd had a family meeting, yeah, and they all yeah. said the same thing. I don't want to go, but I'll go with a good attitude. And, <laughs> and they did. <laughs> and they did, and it was so amazing. It worked. And they are all just thriving. I mean, obviously in different degrees, but it really has been an inspiration. I'm sure see. there's some problems we don't know about, as there always are. But uh, that's why we're glad to be grandparents, right? And not parents. <laughs> that's why you don't want to know. But it is really amazing because there's so much to look at here. There's so much creativity in New York City. Maybe some of you hate big cities, but I just absolutely adore all the stuff. That I'm looking out this window and people going by and and commerce and and people on the streets selling this stuff and some of it's probably illegal and it is just <laughs> so fascinating to me how much can happen in one place. Well, and I'm going to go ride my bike around Central Park again today. Um, if any of you are interested, I, I posted on Instagram my bike ride around Central Park the other day. And I think you'd find it. it shows the old mission home where we used to live so many years ago. And and uh, just go to Richard Linda Iyer, all strung together, Richard Linda Iyer on Instagram. Take a look if you're interested. But to wrap up, Linda, I, I'm excited about I, you have no reason to be excited yet, you listeners, because you don't know what the heck I'm talking about. But three-letter lessons 
we've got a series of things where there's just one word that can become extremely meaningful in a behavioral way. And this first one today, the I lesson, E-Y-E, and how we can use our eyes as shutters and take snapshots of people, even strangers, and and see a glimpse of who they really are and start to understand that there are brothers and sisters and start to understand what C.S. Lewis said so beautifully, right? That you have never met an ordinary person. Every person you meet is divine because every person is a child of God. And this quest to try to see people spiritually rather than physically is the key is the eye. Right. And I think not only people you don't know, but people you do know. And I I have been trying to do that with each of these little children and some of them are older children. They are really pretty magnificent people when you, even though some are. You look in their eyes. A little bit naughty once in a while um, and a little bit hyper. Um, it is amazing what's going on in those little minds. And so fun even to watch. babies, right? Yeah. I spend a lot of time yeah. with our little Simon, our youngest grandchild, looking and staring into a baby's eyes. Oh, there are like, some inspiration. They suck you in. I can just sit for hours and just look at those eyes. So we hope that gives you something to think about this week. Have a great week, and we will see you next time on Ayers on the Road. A little bit Christmassy next week, but also perhaps another three-letter lesson. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.